Hello, and welcome to Radio KBPV, a podcast for tales of the Kootenai Brown Pioneer Village. This is the Talking Tombstones edition, recorded at the Fort McLeod Holy Cross Cemetery, August 24, 2019. The biography of Marcella Sharan McFarlane will be read by myself, Gord Tolton, Education Coordinator at Kootenai Brown Pioneer Village. So... Our next reader, uh, reading is for Marcella Sharon McFarlane, who lived in 1896. And Gord Tolton is bravely awesome to do that. Okay, most of those that know me let know I like to do accents and funny voices. My wife, when she said, I told her I was doing Marcella McFarlane, she goes, you can't do that, that's a female. Challenge accepted. As Marcella Sharan, I was born in 1844 in New York City where my family were proud members of the city's Irish-American community. And it is my family that I wish to speak of, particularly my dear brothers, Nicholas and Michael, who rest near me at this site. Nicholas, however, though his name resounds in many institutions in the city of Lesbridge that he arguably founded, never received his place of rest. Therefore, I feel a few words are owed to Nicholas to explain my own pilgrimage to this site. Nicholas, like many of the community, enrolled for service in the war between the states in the 99th New York Volunteer Infantry. His regiment was not called up for service and was dispersed. Freed from that ghastly war, Nick signed on to the crew of a whaling ship, but was shipwrecked in the high Arctic, where he survived among the Inuit until his rescue and return to New York. A military chum, Joe Healy, invited Nick to join his brother John, who managed the Sun River Indian Farm in Montana. Nick survived another close call when the government building he was in was attacked by the South Picani and set afire. Knowing there was dynamite in the house, Nick jumped from the second floor and ran 30 miles barefoot for help. (laughs) Impressed by his tenacity, John Healy brought Nick North to work for him at Fort Hoopa. But he left that service to establish a flat-bottomed river ferry not far from the fort. Soon, Nick turned to digging for coal in the riverbanks and selling it to settlers and eventually to the mounted police. He called the site Coal Banks. Between the mine and the two river ferry boats he operated on the Belly River, he became terribly busy and invited me to come west to aid him in keeping his household. In 1876, I, Marcella, moved from New York to reunite with my brother Nicholas to help him with his affairs. After riding from the east on a Missouri River steamboat to Fort Benton, Montana, I boarded a terribly slow and bumpy freight wagon that after endless days delivered me to Nick's cabin near the coal mine and the river ferry on the Belly River that he operated. At this point, he was the only settler at what the Galts would later name as Lesbridge. There was, of course, the indigenous people in the valley, and I was somewhat taken aback to find that my brother Nicholas had taken a wife in what fur traders called a country marriage. A woman of the Pecani Nation, Iwataku, a white-tailed deer woman, also known as Mary Brown, had taken residence with Nicholas, and I made my objections known of such a union made with sacrament, without sacrament. Nicholas made no motions toward changing that arrangement, but I was changing my own circumstances as well. As well. Shortly after my arrival, I was introduced to Joe McFarlane, who was one of the first ranchers in southern Alberta. Joe had purchased the Pioneer Ranch from a Métis lady, Anna Armstrong. And that ranch is right over here. Joe's cow herd supplied the mounted police and the old McLeod town site with fresh milk and other dairy products. Joe was also credited with growing the, with the, credited with growing the first crop of oats in Alberta. 
Joe and I were married on July 4th, 1878, in what the old-timers called the first white marriage in southern Alberta, unquote. The ceremony took place at Fort Wupa. I was shocked when the pronouncement of I do was immediately followed with a volley of gunfire from the guest sex shooters. But the cannonade did not spoil my marriage as I joined my bridegroom at the Pioneer Ranch. We remained happy in growing the property and socialized with many at our home. We enjoyed mingling with the police officers, ranchers, and entrepreneurs and their families of early McLeod. While Joe and I produced no progeny, I delighted in furnishing our house with fine appointments purchased by catalog from Eastern Canada. We visited often with Nicholas's cabin and coal banks, despite that he and Mary continued to live in sin and even produce children. My nephew, Charles Charan, was born in February of 1880. My blissful life turned to tragedy in 1882. On May 27th of that year, dear Nicholas accompanied the police to his second ferry site near Fort Kipp at the junction of the Old Man and Belly Rivers. After seeing the police off, Nicholas turned his buggy around in the river and returned to Coalbanks. But the wagon wheel hit a rock and his buggy careened and was upset in the stream. There could be no answer as to what had happened next, as Nick was a mariner and a strong swimmer. But somehow, he drowned, was swept away by the current. To this late day, Nicholas's body was never found. Thus, his remains have no consecrated resting site. Nicholas's death caused me no end of trouble. Beyond my own tearful grief, Nick had made me as the administrix of his estate, which given the future potential of the coal claims, would become terribly complicated. Nick's property was becoming increasingly valuable in the coming years as the railroads made coal a very necessary resource. I immediately sent for my brother Michael to assist me to operate the mine, and he arrived in August of 1882. Working with the lawyers, I legalized Nick's mine and filed a survey as a 58-acre coal property. But in 1885, Michael also died suddenly, and I turned to another relative, my cousin, James Sharan to come in from New Jersey and manage the operation. That was my first mistake. James brought in another partner, and within two years, I was forced to obtain an injunction from Judge James McLeod to throw them off the property in 1888. I obtained better partners with the Stafford family. William Sr. was superintendent of the Galt Mines across the river, and his son William Jr. was a skillful entrepreneur in his own right. He aided me in acquiring another 123 acres in 1889, and the Staffords ably managed the works. Some said that I have managed my brother's estate with considerable skill, but as far as Nick's own family, I am saying to you from my grave that I am afraid I did not handle their affairs well at all. Mary and her boy Charles were left, and Nicholas had never seen his second son William, born six months after his death. All should have had a claim to his estate, but my prejudice could not abide. I had Charles and William baptized into the Catholic faint and sent, and sent to the orphanage in St. Albert. Mary Brown is sent to the blood reserve to live without her children and no financial support. In October 1896, I walked across the river at Coalbanks to visit the Stafford family and caught a terrible chill. My bad cold became pleurisy and finally degraded into pneumonia. Dr. Mewburn came down from Lethbridge, but there was nothing could be done. It was quite simply my time and I passed on. I remained buried here within sight of the Pioneer Ranch and joined in this plot by my dear brother Michael. The entire coal estate was passed on to my dear sister Ellen Sharan, who sold out to Ashcroft and Whitney in 1889, and the mine passed through several hands until becoming a part of the Lesbridge Collieries Group 
a Canadian Pacific Railway subsidiary. As young men, Charles and William Sharon went to court to sue for their rightful share of the mines, but the Crown refused the suit as the law of the day classified them as, quote, illegitimate, unquote, with no record of marriage between Nicholas and Mary Brown. The boys went back to live on the blood reserve, rightfully bitter in having been disinherited of what is now most of West Lethbridge. The original mine, ferry, and cabin site are now in Bull Bottom Trail Park near the 6th Avenue Bridge. <laughs> 